Welcome back. Uh, I'm Brian Carpenter. And I'm Brent Piatti. And uh, you're on the hot aisle. We're here today. It's, uh, what is today? Today is May 26th. Um, shout out. It is, in fact, my anniversary. It's my eighth anniversary. Uh, I kissed a girl and I liked it. And uh, <laughs> she stuck around for, well, over eight years. And uh, all of our kids are under eight years old. So I consider that a success in Texas. Oh, very, very, uh, very great to hear, man. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I try hard to screw up every day, and somehow she sticks around. Uh, and no, I don't have a lot of money. So, you know, that being said, what, um, what, what did you do for the anniversary? Right? I mean, that's the first question that I know the, any of our female listeners out there would want to know, right? What is the husband doing for the wife? And if you didn't remember, uh, without your wife reminding you, then, you know, there's obviously an issue. But, uh, yeah, tell me more about it, man. What'd you get? Well, I gave her that shout out. Oh yeah, I'm sure she's gonna love that. Yeah. Um, besides that, I would say I didn't do much of anything. I did take her out for a little sushi earlier. I think we had a nice, um, as we like to call it, the senior citizen special. We had a four thirty dinner. We had some some amazing sushi, and then came back. Great. What do you prefer, man? Do you like the stuff rolled up in seaweed, or the rice on the outside, or just like the straight up like fish? I'm a purist, so I like raw fish. Uh, matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do to freak out my new sushi friends is go get a little bit of aji, which is uh, Spanish mackerel. And after you eat the aji sashimi, which is a fantastic sashimi, we also uh, then send the body parts back and get it fried in the, in the fryer. And they're sent back out. And it's like fish chips. Not like fish and oh. chips, but rather fish chips. Dip it in a little ponzu. Good to go. So speaking of sushi... I have a day tonight as part of this, uh, as part of this whole, um, anniversary extravaganza. I brought over Tommy Trogdon just to kind of make this whole anniversary even more special. So Tommy has invaded my house, has invaded, uh, our studios here. And he's, he's here to kind of, uh, we're going to say, maybe bring up the intelligent quotient, a couple more notches. We hope, right, Tommy? Mm, We'll set the bar too high. So welcome, Tommy. Thank you. So first things first, um, I, you know, I want everybody else to know, I mean, you're famous to me, right? You are, you are V Texan, Victor Texan. You have a license plate. You have a, you now have a trailer hitch that even says V hip. No, it's a trailer step that says V Texan on it. Yeah. Um, but who are you? Um, that's a great question. So I've been in the IT industry for probably close to about 20 years. Uh, I worked at a startup for about 10 years, worked behind the scenes as in, in, uh, operations for a little while and then moved over to EMC about four and a half years ago as part of the V specialist organization working under and with Chad and his team Um, did that for a number of years moved into managing the specialty organization for the Western division here within EMC and that that consisted of managing not just VMware specialists but Microsoft and Oracle and our advanced software division group as well and then back in uh, January had an opportunity to kind of infiltrate the marketing organization and kind of help bring a little bit of the field to them, kind of help bridge the gap between what marketing is producing and what the field actually needs. And so moved over in kind of an evangelist role, uh, working with our customers uh, at briefings and, and executive briefings and kind of helping them better understand what EMT strategy is. That's what I'm doing today. So you're an evangelist? Yes. It sounds like the perfect job for you. I'd like to hear myself talk. And you work in marketing? I do. So Brett and I have one very critical question for you today. Sure. Um, so at EMC World, Burton, he's your boss, right? That's exactly right. Um, all of our Burton, bosses, yeah, all of our bosses. Well, I mean, 
as much as I can follow one. It is my one of our leaders. Um, Burton and Churchward may or may not have gone off script and cussed during the keynote. So my question is, did you guys write that in or was that ad lib? No, you'll find out when you're working with uh, with those two guys. There is nothing scripted. All those guys, they it's amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of the presenters use scripts up at the front. They don't. It's <laughs> it's a uh, pretty pretty cool. So he really was scared. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that, but <laughs> I can tell you that it wasn't scripted. Well, dude, they threw real dynamite into the beast. I mean, clearly, of course they were scared. Clearly, yes, that was not safe. But I think we we lived through it. We're okay. That's good to hear. I'm glad everyone came back unscathed. Okay, so our other question for you, dude, uh, get your phone out, your iPhone. I know it's not far away. <laughs> okay, I need you to open it up, and I need you to tell me how many emails are in your inbox. Across all mailboxes or just? Your primary mailbox, your inbox. Well, how many mailboxes do you have? I have one, two, three, four, five. got five mailboxes. No, the, the, your all inboxes. Yeah, thirty nine thousand two hundred. Holy <laughs> shit! That <laughs> and, was unscripted. Uh, by the way, we this yeah, podcast is also <laughs> marked as out, like right? safe, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the, so the other part is, how many of those are unread? Um, way more than there probably should be. Not going to say never. Come on. But let's 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 take a moment here, okay? I've had. One mailbox I've had since like 97. So to say that it's inundated with lots of spam is an understatement and a half. So it's um, an AOL online? It, no, not necessarily that back. But I, you know, I, I've had trogdon.com for quite a while. So um, I have a lot, of, a lot of email that's been going there. I have a couple of Gmail accounts that I use to register for different things. And so I loosely check those. Um, my EMC mailbox is around 283 messages. So I try to keep that somewhat cleared up, but yeah, I, I have quite a lot of it, it. For those OCD types that look at my phone, it drives them bonkers. Uh, specifically, one individual, Thad Keating, who gives me such a hard time about that, uh, about having so many unread messages. I just I've never been one to do inbox equals zero. I just I, I don't know if it's my memory or what, but just I can't handle it. I get the shakes, and so. You know, just I always tell people don't be don't hesitate to light me up a couple times on emails because more than likely your message is probably scrolled off the inbox. <laughs> so if you could only open one of those emails, right, just by the title and seeing who it's from, who would it be, and why? What do you mean? Well, I mean, just you're, you have thirty nine thousand, right, and a ton of them unopened. If you're just looking at, if you're just hey, I gotta I gotta get one of these out of the way. Because it's, uh, you know, this is, I got to do one today. That's all, that's all I got. Well, Which of one course would you it pick? would be my boss. Ah. So you got to start there, right? But I'm, an, I'm ADD, so I'm used to skimming, you know, kind of skimming through a bunch of emails and kind of looking at things. So it's kind of par for the course for me. But, of course, my boss has to be the first one, right? And then it kind of scales out from there. Then it goes probably my wife. I need to check her, check any emails she sends me because normally she's doing my expense reports. I thought that's what she meant by your boss. No, <laughs> no, no, no. She, so she's second. So she's always sending me questions about my expense reports. So I have to get those back so I can get my, my corporate card turned back on. And then it kind of goes from there. You know, of course, Brian, I'm always looking for Brian Carpenter stuff. Mm. Any customer from, you know, any customer emails, it just kind of goes around like that. Okay. Well, before we get started with real work here. We also had one other question. Oh, Lord. What was the last thing that you bought on Amazon? 
I buy something every single day. I'll tell you the last thing I looked at to see when it's going to ship is the Echo. I, I did that this morning to try to see where my Echo is. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Echo is in my, uh, my 10-year-old's room. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, got in my, I got in my list to uh, go see when it's supposed to ship to me. So I noticed mm. that it's supposed to be shipping to me like in the first couple of weeks of June. So, I mean, from a bot, bot perspective, that's the last kind of um, thing I was in Amazon to go check. But I'm not scared. Let's go see. I'm, okay. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in between, though, the, the Echo and the Jibo, which will be out, I want to say, later this year or early next year. Have you guys heard about the Jibo? No. So it's uh, a very similar concept. It was developed by um, a team at MIT. And effectively, it's a, it's, a, it's a robot and a listening device and Siri and Echo and a camera all wrapped, in, wrapped up into one thing. Um, and you can ask it questions, and it follows you and takes pictures. It recognizes faces. It recognizes people and pets to know who you are and what you prefer. So it's really cool. It's called Jibo. Um, just search for it on YouTube. It's it's all over the place, but it's MIT developed, and it looks to be pretty cool. So I went ahead and looked into my Amazon account just to kind of see what the last thing I ordered, and I ordered a Sonos Play 3. So that was the last thing that I bought. Now, my wife, on the other hand, She's bought, um, let's see, chlorine dispenser and tablets for our pool. And she ordered um, flexible, shatterproof, recyclable wine glasses. So there you go. So uh, non-shattering wine glasses. Correct. That That's seems key in my world, right? And, yeah. and by the pool with the chlorine and shocked. Yeah. Okay, well, we just big dated you. There we and, go. And it, so I was curious, this Jibo thing, right? We're talking about the fact that it can, it can recognize your face. We already know Amazon's tracking us. It's got a lot of big data. It's got huge big data. And so, you know, we're, we're good with that. And I know how to hit the microphone on the Echo and turn it off and have it stop listening to me. But this Jibo thing, which is made by MIT, and it can recognize your face, and it does all the same things as Siri and all that, that data is going somewhere. And my big question would be, where is it going? Who owns it? And what's, their, what's the value to them of actually having that information? How are they recognizing your face, right? Is it recognizing your face or just a face of a human to know I got to go towards a face or whatever? So um, scary stuff, not scary in so much, but scary stuff because you hear nowadays your TV's listening to you waiting for commands of the TV. It's a live TV, but it's being sent to a third party who's recording all that. They're recording your living room. If you don't opt out and turn off that feature, Wait, hold on, let me put my tinfoil hat on. You guys are starting to freak me out. So yeah. Just I'm just, guys. Who cares? You don't care. No, I don't. At yeah. this point, uh, it's, <laughs> you, there is no stop. If you don't like change or like irrelevance, even less is a motto that I kind of live and breathe every single day. And there is just nothing at this point you can do to kind of bury your head to keep from being videotaped and recorded every waking moment. You probably can't walk out your front door without having three cameras at all the different houses recording you. you every light switch you drive by, every ATM machine at this point. If they want to track you down, there's little that you can do to keep them from doing that. So whether it's Echo, whether it's something in your house, your phone that they have the ability to flip on and start recording. I mean, at some point, you're going to weld up the bunker doors and you're going to move out to West Texas somewhere and, and uh, you know just live your life out there off the grid. That, that's what you're ready for. You go for it. But I kind of like driving two miles to get to Best Buy. So I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but do you, you know, do you ever think about like it's, you know basically everything we can do with this – the kind of idea of precogs, right? Being able to determine what you're going to do before you do it, and especially bad stuff, and then potentially being apprehended, right? Which is which is cool to think about, right? That if we were that powerful, 
Um, but what if it makes the wrong prediction, right? And you get rated or something like that. I think I think that is such a such a strange thing to to dwell on. I don't. I think that's the things that you see in the movies, but pre precognitive. You know, trying to. I can tell you, in any given day, I probably had the thought of killing somebody <laughs> just because you know they've rubbed you the wrong way. So by God, I'd probably be arrested by now. But I've never followed <laughs> through on it. So let's be clear on that, right? So there's. I think at any moment, emotionally speaking, uh, we're always registering something that probably is things that we that that are our inside voice, not necessarily our outside voice. So I think at this point. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think I'm ready to be concerned about that yet. Now I know people that are, and you know, God love them. But at this point, I think I'm I'm all for the convenience and the the promise of what this is going to bring. You know, I'm the guy that's like, bring on the Google self driving car. I'm ready, right? I'm ready for it right now. Just take me to the airport and back. So, <laughs> yeah. Brent notes to self: the next guest that we have on, we need to ask him who they thought about killing today. Exactly mm. right. Because apparently Tommy thinks about it every you know, day. You need, to, you need to have a conversation with Davi Onheimer. That's who you need to have on your podcast next to talk about some of these security things. He will he will make me want to turn it off and crawl underneath my bed and basically weld up my bunker. Well, holler at us and you know, give us a hookup. I know he's a busy guy. So Absolutely. We, need your, we need your marketing global product evangelist hookup. To that get has the, nothing to do with it. It's just a social thing for me on that one. That's just yeah. somebody I know. Okay. Well, we're going we're, we're gonna, to... Specifically, you're here for two major things. One... We went to EMC World together yep. and had a great time. Uh, and uh, the other one was that um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, being social, right? You sure. even just mentioned the social relationships you have and stuff like that. So let's hammer into EMC World. Okay. Um, flew in Sunday, right? Yep. And what was the first thing that we did? Um, well, we went and checked in and then kind of got... Um Squared away with where, you know, getting registering, getting all that stuff squared away, trying to figure out where the booths were, trying to figure out where, uh, for me, where some of my marketing team was getting together. And then we had DevOps days. Yeah, which is a, which is a, a big thing. So, um, the de- I mean, the DevOps day was fantastic, right? We saw some great speakers. Uh, my personal favorite was, um, uh, it was, well, Nick Weaver. I'm a huge fan of Nick Weaver in general, but frankly, what he talked about with, um, you know, where things are going as far as operationalizing IT yep. from where we started and how the silos worked to the relationship of humans to computers versus the relationship of teams to computers now and the relationship of managing those those things was a really neat presentation. Matter of fact, the sooner I can steal it, the better. Um, so that was kind of my, the thing that I got out of it. I also like people from Chef and stuff like that. Was there a specific presenter or a specific topic that was really kind of key to you or did you steal anything for your presentation later in the week? You know, I really enjoyed listening to probably all of it, but Jonas, I thought, did a really good job on the Docker 101 stuff. I, I really kind of feel like I've kind of had my head um, kind of in, my, in a binders on some things. I've been kind of focused on converged infrastructure over here at EMC, and I've, I've had some things around enterprise hybrid cloud, and so I really haven't had a chance to kind of take a step back and kind of get my bearing straight on, on kind of Docker and some of the other stuff. It was also great to catch up with People like Kenny Coleman, who wrote a photo booth app that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, and then in general, just what I really, really got a kick out of was seeing everybody that was genuinely interested in DevOps. You know, they were there to really kind of broaden their horizons. They were there because it was, in a lot of ways, they weren't, it wasn't in their comfort zone. So they were there to kind of be a little bit uncomfortable and kind of learn a little bit, learn a little bit. And I think there was a lot of hear me now, understand me later topics. I don't know if you guys remember that from Saturday Night Live, but it was one of those deals where you just kind of hear me now and... You'll, you'll get it later. And so I, I think a lot of that happened there as well. So 
and again, it's Sunday, right? How packed was that room? Very. I was blown away. And more and more showed up. I think a lot of them had already booked their travel before they realized what was going on. And so I think they probably would have even had even... I'm looking forward to next year. I think next year will be incredible. And I, and I know they're working on rolling some of these out uh, throughout the different parts of the United States. And so hopefully we'll see some of these rolling out to a city near you soon. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. I, I just found out recently that um, you know EMC is obviously embracing this whole notion of, of DevOps. But uh, we have a DevOps readiness program that we're rolling out. And it's basically to provide customers and, and training and guidance on, on how to implement all the practices around DevOps. But is it, was that brought up in, in the discussions on Sunday? Or what, um, what's your kind of take on that? Yeah, I, I think that it was actually, I'm sure that it was probably brought up in the, uh, the booth, the open at EMC booth, where they were kind of having uh, one-on-ones as well as you know, speaking sessions and things like that. I didn't specifically hear it either in DevOps Day or during any of the actual team uh, DevOps presentations. Um, so I don't know that it was outright brought up there. Um, some of that stuff was also um, you know, being saved a bit, a tiny bit, for the following week, which was the CF Summit, where even more um, you know, awesome announcements around kind of where we're going with um, Cloud Foundry in general, the things that are gonna be supported there, um, all the things around you know, agile development that are being done there. So. Yeah, I think you know one of the you know some of the other takeaways I think was all around some of the things that that Brian Gracie has been working on, which is just kind of pulling over DevOps in general. What is it? What does it look like? What are things that you need to think about? What are enterprises kind of focused in on? And and uh, you know some of the common obstacles, things like that. So it was it was really fascinating. I'd love an opportunity to kind of sit through that a couple of times. I think before it'll actually sink in uh, from my perspective. It was it was really good though. Very cool. Yeah. So day one then. So let's get on to Monday. Um, you know, I didn't get to be there with you guys, so I don't know the exact cadence and uh, the delivery, the, the keynotes. But yeah, uh, let me. Uh, what's the main thing that came out? Was that the was that Extreme IO four Yeah. So day one was Extreme IO four um, VVNX. Also a bit on the Vmax update. Um, the data data domain ninety five hundred, which they also called the beast. We had a lot of wild animals out that day. Um, big announcements around, uh, you know, blocks, racks, and appliances. So that's where we get into the VX rack and the VX rack 1000 specifically. So that kind of, that kind of covers Monday as it were, or day one, you know, whatever that was. Uh, so, you know, we can talk about whichever those things kind of tweak our interests here. Um, you know, wherever you want to start on that one. Yeah. I think it would be prudent though, to, to, to talk about the beast, man. Right, so this 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 monster uh, extreme I/O appliance in the 4.0 was was really cool, right? I mean, what we can scale out—it's 40 terabyte X bricks, which uh, the the current cap is is 20 terabytes. So 40 terabytes, we're gonna double that, and then we can go from uh, six a max of six bricks in a cluster to eight. So I want to say they were talking about something like three petabytes of of usable capacity, right, with dedupe compression, um, which is crazy to think about. But uh, what was the what was the crowd like, man? Were they were they digging it? What's the the takeaway that uh, you got from talking to people on the ground? Yeah, it's I mean you know it's Monday, people are getting in, you know jet lag things like that. So the you know the actual keynote itself was was packed. I mean there were probably weren't very many open seats. Um, again, we blew some things up and you know uh, made a mess of ourselves and things like that. Um, I can't remember if we actually blew up the Extreme IO Beast or the Data Domain Beast. I'm pretty sure it was Extreme IO. 
Um, but you know the 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 announcements in general are pretty exciting. Um, but you, you know there was a there was a tone of these are great. This is a lot of really good hardware, which um, uh, you know does things for you. But what it really is is a is kind of an it's the end of the means to an end, right? So the 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 everything else wrapped around it was what was kind of really telling that story. Why do we have Vmax three ex- extensions? Why does why did we announce Fast.x? Why did we you know do things around SRDF Metro? Why does the DD ninety five hundred exist? Why does Extreme IO exist in the capacity it does? Um, and it's really just about what customers are trying to do with their IT infrastructure, how they're trying to operationalize it, um, how they're trying to you know u- utilize it, right? And kind of um, you bring more and more things into the fold. And obviously, we can see how fast data is changing. So that's kind of you know that to me that's it. Uh, frankly, the most exciting part of the day for me was VX Rack by far. You can I mean like by now I'm surprised as many times I've said the word VX Rack that I haven't gone out and got a tattoo. But that's you know remains to be seen. We still haven't had this this upcoming Saturday night where we're going to Tommy's birthday party. Um, but you know if I get a VX Rack tattoo on Saturday night, yeah, where would you get? What's the placement of that? Um, you know it's a, it's a big boy, right? So luckily I got some I got some meat that I sit on. I probably put it you know probably right on the right cheek. I've got some extra, extra space there. So, so you would put it on your buttocks? No, I, Dude, I, was, I yeah. think you need to run that down the side of your thigh, man, on the outside. That'd be cool, just like it was if it was sitting on a rack, man. Okay. So well, we, we'll we'll get to that if Saturday night turns into that. I will opt for the right thigh, as it were. So, uh, but we have we have with us like a a foremost expert, as it were, to converge infrastructure and all things convergey. So blocks, racks, appliances. Oh my. Right, Tommy. Tell me, you know, I'm excited about VX Rack because I'm a nerd and I like all the spinny parts and I like the blah blah blahs. Tell me why I really care about you know VX Rack and and this converge thing in general. Yeah, you know, so for the better part of the last couple of years, uh, we've been talking to customers around you know V specs and V block and really all around this converge infrastructure uh, stack. What we're what we're getting, what we're seeing in the market, what we're seeing from things like Evo Rails, which was the uh, the announcement that VMware made um, at, at Partner Exchange, and then the subsequent product release of VSpecs Blue, which is based on VMware's Evo Rail, we're starting to see that there was a huge appetite for more converged options. Right, we had the companies out there like Nutanix and Simplicity that have gone out there and done a really good job of kind of evangelizing this thing, and 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 it starts to make an incredible amount of sense and kind of a hey, there's we. We need to offer more than just one hammer to our customers, right? We, we, we see this a lot where um, they're looking at EMC as, hey, they want a full portfolio of options. They don't want just a hammer salesman. They're, looking, they're really looking for different kinds of solutions to meet their, their requirements. And so um, this year is kind of the year of, in my opinion, the year of hyper-converged stuff, right? So while I, I always tell customers all the time, we don't necessarily – we might not necessarily start – um, going down that path, but when we show up, when we show up to the party, we show up with you know two kegs and eighteen pizzas, and I think this is a good example of showing up to the hyperconverged world, going, hey, we totally understand where you guys are coming from. We've been doing the converged stack for quite a while now. We really understand that. Now we're you know we're essentially driving that into smaller, more consumable type um, uh, elements, and out of that comes our kind of blocks, racks, and appliances type approach where. Customers can still go in there and choose, hey, we want to build things based on rack scale, right? We want to, we want to do things based on like a proven architecture uh, all the way down to, hey, we want to do things in, in kind of this hyper-converged um, mentality where we want to start small and kind of grow. And then 
you know, we want to be able to give our customers as much options as we can on 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 how to design these solutions. Because I fundamentally don't believe that the only way to do future data center growth is in a hyper-converged space. I think that at some point that starts to break down and, and full block type or full rock, rack type of solutions is the way to go. So I think it's just allowing us to have you know more uh, intelligent and thoughtful conversations with our customers around what their future growth path needs to be or would like to be. So let's let's clarify this. The V the you know all kind of sort of wrapped up under the the VC umbrella and getting a little bit more and more wrapped up under it every time. Um, but V V Block is still VMware, Cisco, and EMC. Yep. The 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 traditional you know known way of doing this that turned that company into a roughly two billion dollar company. Yep. So that still exists. Nothing's changed. Correct. And uh, going to continue to exist for a while. It will always be V Block. Will always be. A Cisco, it'll be EMC, and it'll be VMware. Um, you'll see things like VX Block. You'll see things like VX Rack, but V Block will always and will always and forever be uh, VMware, EMC, and Cisco. Okay, so this this VX Rack though, which is which is cool. Um, it's not just a bunch of VSpecs blues shoved in a rack. Correct. So if you look at you know VSpec, so we say V Block, it will always be VMware, Cisco, and EMC. VSpecs blue. Will will always be kind of the VMware stack based on Evo Rails. So it'll be vSAN. It'll be uh, it'll be based on their configuration. And so for customers that are you know ninety five or one hundred percent VMware, when we're talking to them about hyperconverged solutions, uh, we usually just kind of say, hey, the best best bang for your buck at this point would probably be a vSpecs Blue conversation because it's what you're used to. It's one hundred percent VMware focused. For those customers that want you know some some sort of of um, choice, right? They want their, their maybe they maybe they have a little Hyper V, maybe they have maybe they're diving a little bit into Zen and OpenStack. Then VX Rack, which is kind of based on Scale IO and some other uh, some other pieces, and it gives them the ability to be flexible in their hypervisor, right? So it's a, and, and it's essentially sold in quarter rack, you know, up to you know up to half rack and, and full rack. So it's really a rack system type architecture that allows them to kind of. Uh, have a better understanding of what their architecture needs to be moving forward, how what they would like it to be. And I we- think that's a, you brought up a really good point, Tommy, is the, the ability to have multiple personalities, right? I mean, we've got guys, we've got service providers, right, for God's sake, that, that have to run everything known to man, KVM, Hyper-V, uh, OVM, VMware, like, and, and it's very tough to do today. Um, so now that we can give them that flexibility, in that multi-tenancy, like that's that's wonderful for these guys, right? So yeah, so that's that's exactly right. So you know what, you know, um, we were kind of focused in on just making sure our customers had um, had the ability to kind of be flexible in that. And, and you know, Microsoft owns thirty percent. You know, I think it's last I saw, I think it was close to thirty percent of the hypervisor market. So it's just our, there's there's a lot of customers that are one hundred percent Microsoft, and so we needed a solution that would allow them to be able to have the same kind of architecture um, that we offer from a VMware perspective. Or for those customers that want to get into kind of platform three type, you know, open stack conversations, we needed to give them the ability to uh, to be able to take advantage of that as well. So you know, VxRack is really giving us the ability to kind of go out there and say, hey, we want to give them choice and we want to give them flexibility and whatever type of hypervisor they, they want moving forward. So is the, is the kind of foundation of this Software-wise, um, is that Scale.io? Is that correct? Well, if you think of 
if you think of hyperconverged, right? Hyperconverged is really it's it's ten years ago. It's direct attached storage. It's compute. It's storage. It's networking, right? And ten years ago, we spent an awful lot of time, you know, telling our, you know, working with our customers on pulling disks out of servers and putting them in a shared array because there was more efficient that way, right? Drives could you couldn't share data between two different servers, you know. So what what hyperconverged is really all around is saying, hey, now we can cluster that storage and we can federate it together regardless of um, you know how many physical services you have or regardless of the operating system or bare metal or whatever so um, you know we virtualized from a from a CPU perspective and that that's vSphere hyper V Zen right so we have the ability to cluster that together the networking goes along with that as well the the next piece of it was what do we do to cluster the storage right so vSpecs blue uses vSAN and so for for VX rack we're using Scale.io, and Scale.io gives our customers the ability to federate not only just the storage in their hyperconverged nodes, but if they have bare metal OSs or they have a mix of other things else, it gives us the ability to cluster that storage together. So now you have clustered CPUs, now you have clustered networking, and now you have clustered storage. And so that's really allowing us to drive this, this hyperconverged conversation with customers. Yeah, that's cool, man. I think, you know, kind of driving on to, to another topic, uh, Past VX rack, the, the scale I/O stuff that we just talked about, uh, we we announced on the second day, I believe, the uh, availability for free download, unlimited capacity, unlimited unlimited nodes, um, unlimited performance and time. Right, so there's basically it's the real deal. Um, it's out there in the wild for free, uh, but it is it's uh, it's not supported by you know by the enterprise necessarily. You can you can get it to. You can purchase it and get enterprise level support, but if you want to get it out there and mess with it, it's completely available for download today. Yeah, I think what we're finding from our customers is there's a lot of they want to kind of get their hands dirty with it, and you want to. We have a lot of customers that are spending an awful lot of time doing research online. You know, one of the things that we talk about from a social perspective is how much research that customers are doing using social things, and so. When you start to publish this stuff out into a greater community, it real and, and trying to get this this these bits into their hands, it's all goodness, right? So you know the, the ability for them to go out, download Scale.io to kind of play around with it and get in and get comfortable with it is is a testament to kind of this new, you know, I think you've heard you've probably heard us say it a couple times. This is not your dad's EMC, right? So many different things. You know, Scale.io was 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 we talked about that day. We also talked about Viper Controller as well being released. So that was something that we did on day two. So Viper Controller being open source as, as under Project Copperhead, right, is, is really an, off, you know, an opportunity for EMC to recognize that there's value to being um, you know, active in the community. And, and things that we've seen from Brian Gracely's group in the code team is really geared towards changing kind of our, 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 the view of our customers to EMC and what we're willing to do to get, get this software out to our customers to get their hands dirty with it. Yeah, we should definitely put that in the show notes. It's not spelled Copperhead like you would think. It's C-O-P-R-H-D. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we'll make sure and put that in the show notes. Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, you know, some of the other things that were brought up, you kind of sort of mentioned it with the, the with the VX rack technology. And it's really kind of that last day, what's happening in the future, what are we going to do next, all those other kind of things. Um, and the same, like a similar, I guess, a sister of that architecture to VX rack uh, was the whole conversation around Caspian, and then what is Caspian with or without DSSD? Uh, and then finally, how do you tie that all together with something like OnRack? So, uh, you know, explain to me from, from your perspective again, what, you know, what all these mean to the customers. Uh, and again, also, I'd like to know how soon we can start to really consume them. 
Yeah, so um, let's let's that's a lot to unpack. So let's start with let's start with on rack. So if we work our way up from the bottom to the top, so. The whole, the whole premise behind VX Rack and the multiple personalities was, was, was you know, one of the reasons that we spent so much time on, on putting this solution together is trying to really understand and try to put together kind of a management orchestration uh, layer at the physical level, right? So regardless of whatever kind of server architecture that we're using, uh, moving forward, um, you you probably read something on Chad Sakic's blog, or or if you were paying attention to some of the uh, some of the tweets that were going, we 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 kind of talked about this this project called OnRack, and OnRack is really kind of an IPMI IKVM type solution that goes out. It's 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 written so that it can go and communicate with multiple different kinds of physical servers and grab their BIOS information and grab some kind of you know grab all the pertinent information it needs to help make a decision on whether this is, you know, what we can put on it, right? So we were using it from the underpinnings of VxRack to kind of go out there and say, hey, we want to um, we want to be able to deploy this as a KVM or we want to deploy this as a Zen or we want to deploy this as a, a vSphere a solution all the way from powering on to, you know, setting up all the information that we need to make it what that is. And so, um, you know, that was kind of on rack in a nutshell, and then as you kind of work your way up, you know, that started off being kind of a the, the underpinnings of our hyper-converged solution set. And then we get into Caspian, which is really geared towards our customers that are, it's based really on pure open source software, commodity hardware. It's really geared towards platform three things. So you don't, you won't necessarily run, you know, your typical platform two applications. And, and in other words, you won't run Exchange on this. You won't run, um, you know, Oracle things, right? It's really for, you know, based on pure open source software and commodity. And it's it's really geared towards cloud. So you're going to see stuff like um, object-based storage and being able to, you know, um, carve up object-based based on your pl- kind of your platform three design criteria, right? So um, it'll deliver Cloud Foundry and all the kind of major Hadoop distributions, you know, all kinds of things. So it's it's really there to kind of help our customers that are going down the open stack and wanting to use some sort of, you know, trusted, reliable, engineered system. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I saw the I saw the demo. I think it was on Chad's blog. Just uh, deploying open stack like with a few clicks, like it was it was incredible to see, right? And so for that, Cloud Foundry, Hadoop, you name it, right? We're gonna build in this kind of orchestration flow to ease that that uh, that deployment headache of. Yeah, of think, these things that are you know have have a ton of components, right? I think what they were kind of bu- building it as is kind of an industrialized open stack, right? So it's a kind of a turnkey solution for those customers that um, want to start heading down this open stack world. They want some sort of turnkey solution. Um, that's really what this was put together because we have quite a cu- lot of customers that would like to dip their toe in it, but they don't necessarily have the resources necessary to to you know to put this together, and so. Uh, they look at they look at cost, they look at um, companies like EMC to be able to go in there and, and build kind of an engineered system that they could have one throw to choke and they can call up right, uh, but based on commodity hardware, based on open source things, and so um, you know it's really kind of the the goal of what what Caspian was all about, and so you know we're hoping to see it be be successful, but I think what we're seeing from a lot of customers is the open stack movement is kind of a, kind of a, just look, still looking at it. We've, we've talked to some customers that are using it, you know, wildly. And we have others kind of in the mid market section that are still just trying to get their hands around it and trying to understand it better. So the hope is that casting will help them kind of uh, goose their, their, their movement towards that direction. So, so, so I mean, that's just ahead, it Brian. though, is you have a, you have a V block, you already got your VMware. Why, you know, why this whole new rack appliance and why this, 
in uh, this focus on commodity hardware, when I have uh, best of breed Cisco UCS servers and a V block, and I could just go get VIO from VMware and license it up. Now, sure. why, you know, why would I make that decision to go do this entire new thing when I already have this other uh, amazing rack scale architecture? You know, I think I think it boils down a lot of if your infrastructure is on top of it all, then then you know maybe you can roll this to yourself. But what we're finding out is, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, we we start to hear it a lot around what different kinds of IT organizations are kind of going through, and we're 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 starting to see where developers are starting to make a lot of decisions on architectures. And it's outside of the purview of the infrastructure guys. You know, I'm constantly talking to customers and I'm and, and always asking them, hey, what are your developers up to, right? Do you work with your developers? And there's kind of this awkward moment where they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, these guys sit on the other side of the cube farm and they're always working on something different. And I was having a conversation with a customer not too long ago and I was kind of asking them a little bit, hey, what are you doing around things like Hadoop? And some of these kind of platform three design criteria, and and they said, well, we have a group of developers that sit over there and they're messing with stuff. And I was like, well, what do you, you know, what do you mean by messing with it? You know, how big a Hadoop infrastructure are they looking at? And they go, well, they they recently bought fifty one U servers to put this Hadoop um, cluster on. And I was like, well, who's running that that uh, those fifty servers? He goes, well, the developers are. And so you know, we're starting to see where the you know your your son the by you know by by modal, well, I think I think it's Gartner that says that it's a uh, you, you have kind of mode one and mode two, and and mode one is the traditional application guys that are running Exchange, running Oracle. Then you have this mode two group that's doing all this future things. They're they're doing stuff with Hadoop. They're doing stuff with Object. And I think Project Caspian is kind of a, a bridge between those two organizations. Hey, hey, infrastructure guys, you're losing. You, know, you might be losing relevancy if your if your developers are starting to buy physical servers and they're starting to develop the next your company's next gen application. So maybe what we should do is work on trying to figure out what their requirements and needs are and try to try to furnish those. So um, you know we we just gotta kind of have to go down that that path. And I think that Caspian allows us to do. That's awesome stuff. So we you know we've kind of covered all the other stuff here. Um, we've covered Caspian. We've covered OnRack. We've covered all that. It seems like. We've really kind of uh, wrapped up EMC world. Do you have any more questions yourself, Brent? And I think we lost Brent. We may have had a little technical difficulty. I'm here. Something just keeps cutting out. I'm not sure where the uh, well, well, we the do error is. Yeah, it's we, on my we, end or your end. We I have gigabit internet, so I'm not going to blame myself just yet. And uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I may have just dropped that there. Yeah, you, think um, you, did. you just dropped that. Yeah, you pick that up right. Yeah, quick? hold on. Hold, let me pick up my gigabit internet. Um, but you know what? Uh, it may your wife may be downloading like season five of Game of Thrones right now, so you may want to holler at her real quick. This is true, right? We do have uh, what is it? Uh, it's the CenturyLink Prism, which is eh, it's okay, but I'll probably get rid of it. But yeah, that sucks up uh, a lot of bandwidth. So let's nice. go. Okay, tell her to stop it. Well, you're back, and that's what really matters here. So as we were saying, we kind of. Uh, Really, really kind of wrapped up EMC World. And, um, you know, the other thing that, aside from, you know, EMC World and the things that Tommy's doing and all that kind of stuff, one of the other things that I think are uh, extremely, uh, well, I can't say it any other way other than downright um, fundamental to the core of who VTexan is, um, is the actual, um, is, is the community aspect of VTexan. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, he's at VTexan on Twitter. He's also at VTexan on Instagram. He's VTexan on Facebook. He's VTexan on, um, we won't mention the fact that he's on Snapchat right now, any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, he's very, he, you know, he's very much in the community. And frankly, um, 
you know, part of, part of the reason I'm here is because he, he introduced me to the community and then he dragged me in like by my, my, my kicking and screaming. And now I can't imagine my life without it. So I want to talk to him a little bit uh, about community, but because I know him so well, I kind of, hopefully you're ready for this. Cause again, off completely off the script, uh, you know, I'd like to hear what you would like to know from him um, as somebody who doesn't spend, you know, every other weekend barbecuing as it were with, with, with the famous V Texan. And we may have lost you again. You there, Brent? Okay. So, uh, speaking of communi- community, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this myself until Brent comes back. And anytime, jump in, Brent. I'm anytime. here. God, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, you know, that's the wonders of uh, the internet. Luckily, you're in Arizona and I'm here in Texas. And um, I, me and Tommy are both wearing water wings, um, ready for Please. the big flood. We're floating. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, you're, what I was asking you a second ago before I lost you is if you had any questions for Tommy in regards to community specifically. Yeah, I would say, you know, we, we I think we know uh, a majority of the spots to go to 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 get our information, right? Kind of the the boil the latest and greatest things EMC and industry-wide, right? But uh for for those of the 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 viewers or listeners rather out there, what are some good spots to go to, right? I mean, we already talked to Texan, but uh uh I know Chad's blog, right? Um Virtual Geek is a good spot, but what are some other good community sites that people can go to to start you know consuming and talking and hearing what's going on in the, in the industry and especially around EMC and, and their customers yeah there's like you said there's so much so much good content that's out there in the world right now that that um, you know you can get just free learning right so one of the things I like to talk to customers all about is hey you know the opportunity for you to go out and there's so much free training sitting out there that um, if you really want to kind of keep up with what's going on and kind of want to understand where the world is going you, you can go to you know you know places like Chad's blog you can go to um, you can go to all kinds of different locations and, and the V Brown bag guys and, and cloudcast and we have things like um, geek whispers that all have just fantastic podcast right um, there's just an incredible amount of, of information out there but you know from a community perspective you know I, I always tell I always give people a hard time that that have completely tuned out of Twitter because they feel like they don't really necessarily want to know when somebody is going to the bathroom or something right there's so there's always this kind of a dark mark on on what sort of information sitting out there and I'm like it you know it really depends solely on who you're following that it has anything else to do, but there's so much good information sitting out there that that customers that and and, and that want to want to learn about this stuff can, and uh, you know I just you know there's just been it's been an incredible opportunity for me as a community person because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the community right when I I came to EMC four and a half years ago I really learned about the opportunity over social right and when when I was at the startup before this. You know, I did a lot of stuff from a social perspective, so I got to meet a lot of really cool people. And so, you know, I really had an opportunity to kind of go out there and be active and, and be active and participate in the community and not necessarily just lurk. But, you know, and, the, and I, like I said, there's just it, it gave me a lot of opportunities. So if we look at kind of free training stuff, right, the Cloudcast guys, you know, they have a, they have a ton of information on, you know, they have stuff from Masters, Minions, and Pods on Kubernetes. They have moving DevOps forward. They have understanding CoreOS. They got understanding things like, hey, what's Git and what's GitHub, 
right? They got you know Damian Carlson and 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 those guys over at the V Brown Bag. They have things like introduction to VMware VVols. They have stuff on VCDX uh, certifications. They have stuff on PowerShell and. So there's just an incredible amount of information out there socially as part of the community that there really is no excuse anymore about not, you know, not knowing where to go. And then YouTube, right? YouTube is phenomenal. I go to YouTube for everything from barbecuing to trying to understand what the new trends are, right? There's so much information there that it's just crazy nowadays. And so I'm always telling customers, get out of your comfort zone, get into the community, be active, go to VMUGs, go to Microsoft user groups, whatever, just be active. So... Twitter, yes. Yes. GitHub, yes. Yes. Um, podcasts, yes. Yes. So other podcasts besides this one. We know you're subscribed to this one. Yeah, absolutely. But there's still other really, really, really absolutely. good ones. Okay. Um, and um, get, get, your, get your LinkedIn up. Yep. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, by the way, if I can give you any advice on those that are looking for, for, you know, trying to find a new job or something, you know, you'd be surprised how quickly you'll get dismissed if your LinkedIn profile is not somewhat decent. I mean, you gone to the days of, of faxing in resumes and hoping for the best, right? So a lot of times, you know, as I, when I was a hiring manager, I used LinkedIn to go and try to check you out, you know, do some due diligence on you before I even interviewed with you. And sometimes I would dismiss you if it was just like, hey, the guy has nothing on his on his LinkedIn page. I mean, the, the, you know, the guy's a ghost, right? So, you know, I'm a community guy. I like guys that are active in the community. I don't like quiet, shy people. And you know, when I go looked at LinkedIn, my, my, my hope is to be able to see some information there about you. And if you don't, and spend a couple hours on it. Yeah, so user groups, like yes. you mentioned, um, which are kind of similar to meetups, which are also kind of a big thing now. Yeah, meetups are kind of interesting. I'm starting to see a lot more of those. You, you see like like Brent's beers with engineers, right? We see we see V beers, uh, Simon Seagraves kind of, and a couple of guys started that uh, and, it's, and spread like wildfire. We have impromptu user group get-togethers and, and meetups where everybody brings their own credit card, but they kind of sit around, they kind of chat, and they they commiserate together sometimes, and they celebrate they celebrate wins, they celebrate things as well, and. You know, you don't necessarily, you know, even if you're a quiet, shy guy, there's always somebody there to talk to. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities to participate in the community, whether you want to participate a little bit or you want to be a VMUG, you know, VMware user group president, right? They're always looking for people that are willing to kind of step outside their comfort zone. In fact, if there's, you know, from a professional development perspective, if you want to get better at public speaking, there is no better place than to volunteer at the VMUG to present on something, right? It doesn't even have to be something, you know, epically huge. It could be something like, hey, this is how we have our VMware infrastructure kind of laid out. What do you think? And, you know, they, they welcome you with open arms. They, they, they all know that, um, they're all sharing your kind of worriness about presenting in front of a group of people, but there's something really cool about being able to stand up in front of your peers and kind of walk a little, walk them through a little bit of what's you know something technical, and and teach them something right. And the feedback from them has been phenomenal. So it's, I just cannot it, cannot push it enough. Community is just the place to be. And so yeah, you, definitely. And I think Google's your friend too, right? I mean, first and foremost, if you're interested in any topic. I mean, Google's got hands down the best aggregation and, and uh, indexes in the world, right? So, oh yeah, and just search. I'm I'm a you know case in point, right? So when I wanted to get up to speed on on all kinds of stuff, VMware, right? There's certain blog sites you went to. There's certain people that you found. You went out there and you did V Brown Rag with like Cody Bunch and Damian, right? I'm really into bourbon right now, so I'm all over podcasts like Bourbon Pursuit. Where they're they're going behind the scenes and teaching you and, and educating you on the history and kind of the 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 the, the way.
way they describe and way they you know tasting things and and so I've subscribed to a pod I subscribe to these podcasts and when I drive to the airport or when I'm driving between Dallas and Austin right I'm I'm excited because I've queued up a bunch of podcasts and I basically listen to them the whole drive there so you know there's so many there's so much dead time where you have some commute time where you can slip in a podcast uh, you can fire it up on your phone you can pipe it through and you can listen to it on your drive in and and learn a little bit right so. So much, so much good content out there that's not even remotely funny. And then, you know, things like these as well, y'all's podcasts, you know, things that get added in and, and, and you just find time to do. Yeah. And realize you're, I mean, one of these days we're going to be on like episode four and you're going to be able to look back and say you were part of episode two. I'm shooting for the most person to this podcast. So I'm going to be basically camped outside your door every time we do a podcast and be like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. good. I mean, given, given your proximity, I think, and the fact that um, sometimes people's schedules are hard, by all means, every time I need to fall back to like my third option, I'm going to call you. <laughs> Is that you. what I am? For, you heard it here, <laughs> listeners. Every time I'm on the podcast, that means four other people turn them down and they were in a bind. Yeah, that's, it is a true story. Um, so we're gonna, we, the only thing we really didn't mention is there's a lot of these people who are out here on these social things talking about books. Um, you know, the, the, the Phoenix Project, the New Kingmakers, Innovators Dilemma, all those kind of things. Go read them. Um, but back to, I'm going to roll back in the little podcast time machine to about two minutes ago when you mentioned YouTube. Uh, and just as a matter of fact, just this past weekend or so, uh, there's a new YouTube video on uh, downloading and installing um, essentially CloudArray, which is another one of our re- recent acquisitions. So we're going to talk a little bit about acquisitions, but one of our more recent acquisitions is CloudArray uh, and TwinStrata specifically, and how to go get the free demo, uh, the free you know usable version of it to test it out and try it, uh, and then actually hook it up with Amazon S3, uh, and, and, and give um, the, your users in your VMware environment a SIFS and NFS experience using object that's completely off-premises, right? And so that's a part of vSpecs Blue. That's why it's kind of exciting. Um, it's also eventually part of uh, VMAX 3 uh, coming up here pretty soon. But um, I know somebody, I know a person who literally made this video. Huh, who could that be? So, so Brett, uh, why don't you tell us... Softball. Yeah, so... <laughs> Why don't you tell us why it is you made it? Um, what you know, like what inspired you to go ahead and make it, and uh, you know, give us give us the you know the rundown other than what I've said about it. Yeah, so you know, again, it's part of that community, right? I mean, we we've got to educate uh, not only our customers but ourselves. And this was something that we had acquired. This company we had acquired about a year ago, and we all kind of scratched our heads and wondering, like, you know, how is this going to work initially? And and it, being curious and being technologist, I wanted to understand more about it. Um, so it's just like, dude, let's just let's just get it and try it and see what it's all about. So I went through the process. What you guys see on the YouTube demo, um, obviously, is kind of hours of painstaking work. Actually, it was it was quite easy, but I wanted to I wanted to build it out so it was easy to consume and rather quick, right? So. At the end of the day, this is a. It, it turned out to be a 12-minute um, demo. Again, downloading, installing, deploying, setting up, and then getting a, a, a simple SIF share set up on Amazon S3. Um, it was really cool. I, I showed files moving from my desktop into the SIF share, <clears throat> which is backended by Amazon S3 again, and you could see the objects trickle into S3 as they were being. Um, sent in there, so you can pick the the cache size, the 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 
the actual blocks basically that we break it down into that are converted to objects. So it's really cool, right? I mean, it was a huge learning experience for me, but now I feel very comfortable with, with engaging customers about the technology, how easy it is to deploy, how easy it is to set up. Um, and you know, now I put it out there for the world to see, and hopefully you all will do the exact same thing, have it in your demo environment and just really have fun with it, right? See what the, the new and cool things that are happening. Cause as we know, um, software is eating the world and, and cloud, especially public cloud is becoming more and more prevalent in the hybrid cloud. And how do we integrate our current, you know, private cloud with this, this public cloud? This is a perfect example of how to integrate those things. So I just had fun with it. I did it on Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So hopefully you guys check it out and uh, provide some feedback. I think I think what you just described is one of the main driving points for the things that we've done around Scale.io and Viper Controller and Copperhead. I think it's, it's the ability to get nerds and, and, and guys like us that really like to get our hands dirty, the opportunity to play with you know, software in the past we never would have gotten to do except on maybe a 45-day trial, so it wasn't even worth the effort, right? Because by the time you worked out all the kinks and got it all set up, it was time-bombed it was ready to move on. So I think that is such a testament to, um, you know, a lot of the reasons why EMC is pushing some of this stuff outside the firewall and out for people to download. That's that's phenomenal, man. Great job on that. Thank you. Yeah, and, and so just a, this is a 12-minute demo. Um, if you were to go through the whole process, literally no more than in an hour, you could have this entire thing set up. And that's setting up your account with CloudArray, downloading, deploying, getting your account with Amazon, getting an S3 bucket, and, and then you'd be ready to go. So literally in an hour, I think, would be realistic for you to have a live environment moving data around. Very simple. Nice. That's awesome. So the other thing we were going to kind of chat about a little bit was the whole, um, I mean, we know, I love these names, by the way. This is my favorite part of the new kind of 2.0 businesses that we deal with, Maginatics, Spanning, you know, all those kind of amazing names. But also the other, you know, the cool partner, you know, the, the chefs of the world. The, and, and specifically, one of my favorites, I remember seeing Puppet Labs at VMworld when they were in the, like, the innovators booths. Uh, I believe I was a customer at the time and literally walked back and they had like just like an arcade style kiosk that was as big as they had. And we were puppet labs and we kind of looked at what they were doing and it was actually pretty, pretty fascinating at the time, but we had no use for it. Again, you know, as a, the size of company we did, the, the amount of operational efficiencies that they were providing was not something necessary to us because how often did we do that? But all that stuff is moving down market more and more, right? And so puppet labs and puppet is now a part of EMC select. So, so what's you know, EMC Select then, Brian? Um, teach, you, teach us. Yeah, well, you just, uh, okay, that is not a softball. Um, so EMC Select is a program of essentially partners of EMC. Uh, and this is, this is outside of direct purchasing and things like Connectrix, which is essentially OEM'd by EMC. But partners of EMC where we've kind of um, essentially created a solution that includes this other vendor's product, as it were. Uh, another example of that might be you go out and get some Isilon and you want to do um, straight backup to tape using NDMP, we might include in your opportunity Spectra, um, Spectra tape, you know, a tape library that can help accomplish that with you, right? That's already part of eLab and done all those kind of things. So when you look at something like Puppet and the idea that we're selling it in Select, 
when customers are coming in and they're doing something like maybe um, creating an engagement around buying a vBlock and maybe they want to put some automation in that vBlock so they opt into something like enter, the enterprise hybrid cloud, you know, and they, they get that basic framework. And then at stage two, they decide to upgrade that framework and add a bunch more um, options, as it were, other automations and things like that. Some of those things are accomplished maybe better or in a different manner or some other, you know, they can do things that are kind of outside the box by leveraging Puppet. So be, being able to have Puppet as a EMC select opportunity where we can simply engage straight up on the on the actual automation of vRealize and all that kind of stuff and then include Puppet as part of the workflow um, is that big benefit, as it were. So, you know, you can go into more about what we're doing with Puppet and where we're going to kind of plug it in, but... That's my that's my EMC select thing, and if I lied, nobody knows. No, I think that's I think that's that's crucial, right? And you know, we're we're talking about a lot of cool different t- uh, you know, technologies with customers, and they're not necessarily in EMC's portfolio, but with the select relationship, everything can be purchased through EMC very easily. You don't have to worry about going to that other company, you know, getting set up in their system. We can facilitate that buy for you as long as they're you know in the select uh, portfolio. And and speaking of cool acquisitions, VirtuStream. So today we we heard kind of came across the wire. EMC acquired VirtuStream. I think it was one point two billion. Uh, you know I'm I'm glad somebody got my bonus this year. But uh, you know it's a great product. It's a pretty cool thing. You know it's what are they like the number one. Um, SAP in the cloud providers. That does that sound right? Something like that, yeah. I mean, they just they just became part of the federation today. So you know, welcome VirtuStream. But uh, or actually, they probably aren't officially part of the federation until the like the That's SEC the or somebody yeah, approves it and all this other stuff. But whatever, your family There's an does. Agreement put in place to we're, purchase. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, we're kissing cousins already, right? So it's. I don't understand that phrase, but let's just move on. Yeah. Okay. So you know, the big automation in the cloud kind of stuff. So. Um, again, Chad put a huge blog out about what what it might become. I think, frankly, we know it'll become something. What it becomes is still to be determined. I mean, there's, there was all sorts of theories popping up on Twitter, which were really interesting, some funny ones, um, you know, about like what size fish is going to bite what next and, you know, what, whatever that may be. But it's, it's, it's fun to see where these levels of automation and what, the, what chess moves the executives are making uh, that we get to find out about like six and twelve and eighteen months after the first conversation occurred. Yeah, it's, what's what's interesting is you see these acquisitions that we're making, and they're not, you know, uh, you know, they're not products that we typically have done over the last ten years, right? They're not the the Isilons of the world. They're not the extreme IOs of the world, right? They're they're really geared towards this next iteration, and where where we kind of see our customers kind of going, which is this enterprise hybrid cloud, this 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 different way of managing their infrastructure. And so we're we're heavily investing in in making sure that we maintain relevancy to our customers, and that you know we're we're kind of skeeting toward the puck is going to be so to speak. So um, I think this is just another great example of of Joe Tucci and the team getting a better understanding of what direction their customers are going and trying to help them get, get there as well and trying to make relevancy with that. So I'm, it's exciting to work for a company that's continuously kind of looking out and seeing where, where we need to go and, and, and making acquisitions to make it happen or doing, you know, doing innovation internally um, where, where necessary and where needed. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, these are enterprise applications, right? SAP is huge in there. That's a it's a multi-billion dollar company, um, close to the size of EMC, hundreds of thousands of customers. 
and they're trusting those applications in virtue streams data centers right and with the managed managed services and the the fact is that that a lot of applications are are moving to the cloud right there was a statistic that came out 20% of all enterprise workloads are already in the cloud in some way shape or form and the speculation is that that will double by the year 2018 so again to your point Tom, Tommy we need to stay ahead of the puck right see where it's going um, figure out where that's going to be and then and and execute yep so do you have a I'm I'm out of things to talk about today we're almost out of our kind of sort pseudo allotted time as it were do you have anything else that we uh, need to need to hit Tommy with before we send him home hmm. I would just say I think we've we've plugged his his blog and and Twitter enough but in case everyone in the world missed it the 50 times that we said it how can we get a hold of you and uh, keep up with everything that Tommy Trogdon's doing out there? Yeah, the blogging needs to come up a little bit more, man. I've been kicking, I've been uh, kicking myself on trying to get more out there, but it seems like I've been living on a plane four days a week. So I need to, I need to go sit with Chad for a little bit, understand how he does this, man, because it's crazy. But, He's a machine. Uh, he is. That you know, he is. And so um, you can follow me on Twitter, of course. I'd probably recommend you not doing that. I, I can, I can get kind of verbose sometimes, but uh, I live my life out loud. Let's just put it that way. Good, bad, and indifferent. Um, Instagram as well at VTexan. So I kind of told you my affinity for bourbon. So you'll probably see lots of bourbon and barbecue and my kids. It's pretty much what you see a lot of there. So if you if you uh, if you're looking to kind of stalk somebody, that's the that's the best way to go. So and V I mean so VTexan.com yep. is the kind of starting point of all of it. And um, of course, if they if they really have to, they can just email you over to EMC. Exactly right. So um, you know, back to back to reality. Uh, I saw today. Speaking of Instagram, I saw you smoking in the in the storms, as it were. I think you're like, a, a, is that some sort of rain dance type thing where you bring on the rain with the smoke? It must. Well, be. hold on. We need to define smoking here, right? Because that that can mean many things. No, he, it he was smoking a piece of meat, some 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 carne, as it were. See, in right. Texas. Smoking means barbecuing. I don't. Maybe it's what you guys are a little different there. Yeah. Again, Arizona. to Thad Keating, smoking means something completely exactly different right. than it does to us because it doesn't mean barbecue. So what you were? What were you cooking today? So um, when I'm home, I really like to cook. I really like to cook outside. So uh, today we did. I think we were doing pork, but this weekend we did chickens. I did about an 18 pound brisket for Memorial Day. Um, every on any given weekend, there's the big green egg, or I probably own about five different kinds of barbecue pits. One or two of those are running at any moment, any time, on any given weekend, or if I'm home during the week. Like this week's a strange week. I'm actually home all week, so I'll probably pretty much be cooking all week outside. Whether it's pouring down rain, which it was, which was funny on Sunday, or it might have been Monday, it, or I think it was Sunday. It was pouring down buckets. And I was essentially rolling my big green egg around trying to figure out where I could find the least amount of water pouring into it to keep it going. But we were able to we were able to get out two beer can chickens. So, you know, it's just kind of it's kind of a passion of mine. The weekend ran together, but that was actually Monday. That was, was that Monday? was Memorial okay, Day. Yeah, it was. It was a yeah. th- long three days. Sunday three was that amazing brisket. The juicy, super moist brisket. Um, and uh, 
I think you put, uh, I don't know, Meat Church's rub on there or something oh, yeah. like that. I, I'm a big fan of uh, at meat, yeah, MeatChurch.com. He's got quite a, he's actually a uh, IT guy that kind of uh, has carved out a niche on barbecue rubs. And so I've, it's kind of a kindred spirits for all of us out there in the world. It's, one of ours made it good and one of ours made it on TV doing a barbecue competition, Matt Pittman, over at MeatChurch.com. And he, uh, you know, he's been a friend of mine for quite a while and, and, uh, just he's one of us that made it so it's kind of exciting to kind of go and, and see what he's up to but i pretty much buy all of his seasonings from there and i'm pretty much a big huge fan so uh i think that's all for tonight brent do you have anything else do you need some advice on how to uh, smoke a beer can chicken while we're at it no i think we'll save that for another podcast i think that's going to be pretty involved you know for us arizonians right we don't understand that that's smoking <laughs> yeah, I think maybe for you, smoking stands for something else. But we'll we'll cover that on like um, number five if we get to that point. So sounds good. As as usual, it was awesome uh, to have you on and be here, Tommy. Um, you know, Brent and I really appreciate you stopping by and being our fourth option. <laughs> Anytime, I'll always be your fourth option. I appreciate the opportunity. Okay, and from all of us, you know, have a good night. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>